0: Can I get someone to do the microphone? You want to do it, Ryan? Will it be? Okay. Okay, did I miss any blanks, Lee? Are we good? Uh, I don't think so. I'm trying to get better, you know. Yeah. gave us
1: answers for one blank. Yes. Yeah, reception, reception, recognize, receive,
2: and no.
0: and Ah. Record, recognize was my, name. yeah. Okay. Okay. Any uh any other missing blanks before we move on to actually discussing the message in the passage? Okay. No missing blanks. Okay, questions from anything I said or from this passage this morning. If I didn't if I didn't stir the pot you weren't listening. So I'll be awfully disappointed if there isn't any anybody? I got stuff like we I got stuff we can go down, so I'll wait. Jeremy Sweet. It's going to be a sweet question.
1: Uh, good one. <clears throat> the whole believed in his name. Yeah. Um, you said that John wants us to ask questions about it, yeah. which is why he made it unclear. Is well, that <laughs> is that just kind of a... It's unclear, so we have to ask questions about it? Or do you think there's—is there more to it than well, that? Well, I
0: think it's clear. I think, I think it's uh, disjunctive. I think—so, in in chapter 1, verse 12, to everyone who believed in his name, then he uses word for word the exact same expression 63 verses later, and what we'd expect to happen isn't what happened. I, I think—it's not that it's unclear. I think he's meant—well, meant, whoa, 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 I must be missing something and make us think more deeply. So— I spent some time this morning trying to unpack and argue, believe in his name, receive him, are probably more involved, there's more there than we might casually think. And then I'm trying to justify why am I doing that? Am I just making things hard for the sake of making things hard? Why don't just make it simple? Just receive a gift. Here you go. Well, because I think in 63 verses, John's got some uh, speed bumps. You know, you know how speed bumps are meant to slow you down? I think he's doing the same thing. Same thing in John 8, to the Jews who had believed in him. So John's all about you got to believe, you got to believe, you got to believe. And there's at least three examples of people who believe And they're not saved. And I think the other example would be chapter 12. And I think John does that. He's either a bad writer, which I don't think, or he's a good writer and he's making us go, well, then I want to make sure I understand what he means. I want to make sure I pay attention. So I'm not saying it's unclear. I think if you do then look and study it, it, what he means becomes clear. But I definitely think he's adding those things like speed bumps to slow us down and make sure, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean there's something I can do that scripture can describe as believing in his name that doesn't benefit me? Yep. Well, then I want to make sure I do the one that does, right? I mean, so the second you establish there's believing and believing, all the questions get raised. Well, then what does John mean? What's believing that results in life mean? that's So I I would tweak it slightly by saying not unclear, but he creates some juxtapositions and some... uh, disjunctives, unexpected, like, well, what? I think when you first read it, he expects us to go, whoa, that wasn't what I expected, um, to make us slow down and think. K-
1: yeah, I think, I think maybe what I'm tripping up on is we <clears throat> tend to use language maybe in a, in a way that we don't think through exactly what yeah. we're saying. I mean, yeah. all throughout at least my Christian history, accepting Jesus into your heart was a, was a way of saying becoming a Christian and yep. that's it's sort of a what is I, I don't it's extra biblical what does that Which mean does,
0: it doesn't make that wrong it just the second we're not using, the beauty of biblical terms is we the Bible can then define them so I can show you, when you say I believed, or I repented, or I exercised faith, we can now look at biblical passages to tell what those means. The second we're using unbiblical terms, they, they could mean anything.
1: Well, that's probably, I mean, that, I think that's what's, what's causing me to have a little bit of consternation about this, because using biblical terms, it can mean multiple sure. different things.
0: So, so, so what I would say is that's why even here, John gives three to four ways of naming the same group of people precisely because he wants us to look at it from three or four different angles. So it's to those who received him, that's one way of defining the group, who believed in his name, who were born of God. There'll be more. So even the fact that we just use one primary way of describing coming to salvation is probably unhelpful. If, If the Bible, I could, let me stack up biblical ways of speaking of salvation. I beheld glory the The blinding this is second corinthians four right to those who are perishing, the God of this world has blinded their eyes from seeing the light of the glory of the Gospel of Christ. One day, the Lord opened my blind eyes and I beheld the glory of the gospel of jesus christ that 's a way of speaking of salvation. Um, I was called from death to life that 's a way of speaking of salvation. I was born of God or born again. I, there's there's a richness of biblical language describing this. So if we want to just give me the simplest one slogan, like that's probably moving in the wrong direction. If the Bible's got twenty ways of coming at this, it might be that each of them sheds a little bit more light on something that might take twenty ways to describe to really get your hands around. So the the part of us to just keep make it simple, okay? Like if if we're communicating, if we mean the same thing, my my problem is in a post modern world. Or post-postmodern world that we live in now, where truth's relative, and you've got your truth and I got my truth. I would be least confident that today, of any time in human history, the average person on the street has got the same meaning of faith and belief that I do. Um, because I think today more and more people are quite comfortable with having contradictory ideas, and it all works, it's fine. Um, you know, uh, so so I get your point, but anyway, say, say more if you want. That's my response. No,
1: I, that makes sense.
0: Okay. Tim. Microphone for Tim.
2: So, tagging on to what Jeremy's asking. So, as I'm working with some co-workers trying to select the words along your lines 20 ways of coming at things, that reminds me of something about teaching and learning that has to do with the teacher trying to help the student understand yeah. and think into their own understanding what it is you're trying to communicate. Yeah. So when you're working with somebody that you're sharing the gospel with that you know doesn't know right. the Lord hasn't been born again in, in our American culture, our Midwest culture here. What are some good ways to explain simply what sure. belief is? Sure. Um,
0: turn to John 3. Look at the last verse of John 3. What's belief contrasted with? Rejection. Not in the last verse of 3. Obedience. Obedience that's interesting now I would not say belief is obedience but I would probably want to say something like belief is what leads to obedience in other words you act upon your beliefs and I I think the logic here is assumed if I if you believed there was an explosive in this room about to go off that would lead to certain actions unless you were suicidal you'd be running for the door that once you became convinced oh no you'd run when you believe you've contracted a disease for which there's a cure you go to the doctor so i think especially in the first century the, the the assumption that you act upon your beliefs that you're willing to put into practice believing would be are you are you prepared or willing to act upon it whatever that thing is that leads to action i think john has something like that as a definition i'd use the last verse of 36 as as proof for that of verse 36 because he's assuming what what 336 assumes whoever believes in the Son is eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That there are no believers who don't obey is d- as, as a broad meta description of them. I mean, it's obviously at times we don't obey. But could you say of someone through and through they are not a, an obeyer of Jesus? If you can say that as someone through and through, they're not a believer in Jesus either. That That verse assumes that logic, right? Because... Otherwise, you'd have somebody who has eternal life and God's wrath abides on them. Because what we, what we get is, for people who meet condition A, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And people who meet condition B, whoever does not obey the Son, shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on them. So unless it's possible to have life, not see life, and have the wrath of God abiding at the same time, then condition A and condition B are mutually exclusive. Um, I think that's the basis that John the Baptist um, come with works... In keeping with repentance Which is I think partly why The most common synonym for faith Is repentance Which probably I would think Is the most helpful thing to look at Faith I sat down and had a long heart to heart With my daughter uh, Last two weeks ago And she was asking the exact same thing What does it mean to believe And her frustration is like Once a year for the last three years She's asked Jesus into her heart And got all excited Only to have any fruit stop bearing And I largely agree Within a week or two And she's it's like, what does it mean to believe? I want to do this stupidly. Well, here's the second most common word used It's repent so much so that you've got Jesus first gospel proclamation and Mark doesn't mention, believe it's repent. Um, Paul can do it both ways. um, the early church in Acts 15, when they hear about Cornelius said, well, then God has granted repentance even to the Gentiles. Repentance and faith seem to be pretty closely interchangeable words in the New Testament. And I think, so the way I try to explain it to her, faith is what you're turning to, what you're entrusting. And I think entrusting yourself is even a better idea. What are you giving yourself to? What are you going to build your life on? And repentance is what are you turning from? Um, which is why I think it can speak in one action the same way. Uh, i got to give credit, or credit to him. Tim Keller made this next point, even though I don't endorse everything Tim Keller says. But he, there's at least two big categories to describe salvation that, that the Bible gives. And the one we're probably most familiar is the law court analogy. That's Paul's metaphor that he uses in Romans, right? So there's, there's a judge, and there's, a, 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 there's a, a verdict of innocent and guilty. There's evidence. There's works. There's rewards. There's justice, right? So... That's an an absolutely biblical model for salvation. And it's one that Keller has pointed out more and more our modern culture doesn't resonate with. Our modern culture doesn't resonate with sin and the law. And why is there a law? You could probably assume those categories 40, 50 years ago. There's another equally biblical picture for salvation, and it's one of, of betrayal. It's the idolatry language. It's the pictures of I married you and I gave you everything and you traded it to buy prostitutes and to whore yourself with your lovers. Now that is a rich, rich biblical picture of, of, of both salvation and sin. That might be helpful, talking about this God who made you. It's even implied here. This God who made you, to whom you owe everything, and he came to you. You rejected him. What do you think this God who made you and upholds you that every day you go <laughs> to is going to do? He would be at peace with you. Would you be at peace with him? You know? and so, so there's at least two broad, broad biblical metaphors for salvation. You don't have to just stick with the law court. Law court is totally biblical, but the, the one of adultery and faithlessness and loyalty is equally rich in the Old Testament. And so So just thinking through different ways of coming out A good study would be great What are the different ways the Bible speaks of salvation I mean I just gave a couple It's not an exhaustive list I, I came to uh, love First Thessalonians um, To refuse to love the truth You perish because you refuse to love the truth Well so apparently salvation could be described As I came to love the truth I mean, And some of them are less common than others But uh yeah, the Bible's got a lot of ways of speaking about this. I'd try different ones out to see which one is resonating with them, which one is clicking with them. Why why make why make it more? If you've got to explain fifteen things to explain the gospel, and here's a way you could explain four things, maybe that's better. But just I'd try different things out. That's the okay, there's, there's a rich source material of of describing salvation. You know that you can use biblically. So. Any other questions? Jeremy again? On yeah.
1: On, on uh, Tim piggybacking on me. Yeah, <clears throat> So, in, in a sense, the gospel is very simple. Yeah. But in a sense, it's 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 very complex and and difficult to explain, given that we have so many. <laughs> Choices or options of what of what to do. Sure, um, Tim b- brought up a, a relationship where he's communicating yeah. with a friend, or a, yeah. a, a, where he's got time. Yeah, yeah, he's got multiple conversations probably yeah. queued up. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever done? Any sort of like street evangelism Oh yeah.
0: I absolutely have, yes
1: What do you do then in, the, in those situations? Well,
0: we're going to jump ahead of ourselves But let's go to chapter 3 of John um, One of the things you can take comfort in Is that That uh, I'm going to end up reading a quote that I didn't read in my message That I had ready to read One of the pieces we're going to find out From the born of God Because this is exactly... The the next place this gets picked up is John 3, right? Um, So, truly, truly, verse 3, I say to you, um, you cannot, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Truly, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So this is the next place we're picking this theme up of being born of God. Look at verse eight. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. If someone's going to come to faith as you're preaching, the wind of the spirit needs to blow by and grant life. And where that happens, there's going to be understanding. So I, I have the job of being as clear a communicator as I can, but if this person's going to come to faith, God the Holy Spirit needs to do a work in their heart as well. And God the Holy Spirit, according to jump over to 1 Corinthians two, um, according to 1 Corinthians two, one of the primary purposes, functions of the Holy Spirit in our life is 2.12. Now we have received the, not the spirit of the world, the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Um, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 2.12. Sorry. <laughs> um, then look at 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God if they not, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So there's a sense in which I could explain it 27 times. And and I think here, maybe that is where you get accept. That is ESV actually has accept. So maybe I'm wrong in guessing accept comes out of receive. Um, But even if I'm fully clear, they're not going to get on board with it unless the spirit's working. If the spirit's working, they're going to understand. So like you've got an inside man, if you will, in your evangelism. If anything, I'd say the danger... I'm not worried that the spirit is going to open someone's eyes, unstop their ears, replace their heart of stone. I'm using c- biblical language, trying to communicate, but gosh darn it, they didn't understand. The only real danger is that unregenerate, unsaved people think they're good. Honestly, that's the only real danger. I don't. There's, there's no danger that you're faithfully speaking the word, explaining the word, the spirit is moving like the wind unlocking, opening someone's heart, and then if I just said it differently. That's not a danger. There is a danger that people would think they have life and not have it. So I, I tend to be more cautious on on false assurance. And that may be even my own background, living till I was 23, 24, thinking I was a Christian, not being one at all. That's entirely possible. So that's the only potential danger I can see, is not... The Spirit's at work, but we just miscommunicated. If you're using the word, because the new birth is credited in John 3 to the Spirit, and in James, anyone know what the new birth is credited to in James one eighteen? Anybody? I mean, I know, but I got the verse in front of me. So James 1.18, what's the new birth credited to? How were we born there? So in John 3, we're born of the Spirit. In James one we we're born of what? The Word. So the two ingredients, to spiritual birth, or the two agencies by which you can credit the new birth are the spirit of God and the word of God. Which of those two do we have any influence over? The, the wind blows where he wishes. We can't make the spirit work. We can pray, but we can, sp- sp- the sower went sowing and the seed was the word of God. So we can go with scripture. That's the piece of the puzzle I can bring to the table. And then I got to trust and pray that the spirit is going to give that increase. This is how Paul describes. Here's another metaphor for salvation. I watered Apollos. I planted and Apollos watered. God gave the growth. We're a field and seed was scattered and God caused the seed to germinate and bring forth fruit and grow. That's, that's a picture of salvation. And Paul says, I planted. That's how he describes this missionary work. And Apollos pastoring and preaching is watering and God makes it grow. So, Keep planting, keep watering, and pray and trust that God will make it grow. But make sure that when it grows, God's the one who gets the credit for the growth, and not the waterer and the planter. You know. Um, so, yeah.
1: More I was co- just thinking about Ray Comfort. He's a. Oh yeah. I can't remember what his ministry is. Called. Living wa-
0: the, the way of the master. Way of the master.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like Ray. And I've seen a lot of his street evangelism, and it and it seems like most of his conversations are basically. You're, you're a garbage human. You know, we all are. <laughs> yeah. And you need saved. And, right. And focusing most on creating the, the need. Yeah. And then giving the hope at the end.
0: Well, and, that's, and that's, that's partly why I want to emphasize when I present the gospel. I've never met somebody, no matter how arrogant, no matter how proud, who wouldn't admit I've made mistakes. I've done something wrong here and there. Never. Never have I met the person so self-righteous that they would say never. Yet the biggest problem I have usually in evangelism is getting people to recognize like through and through all the way. They want to think sin's this veneer on the outside. Uh, like if the outer layer is crusty, like I'm a good person at heart and I've, I've, I've had some bad days and I've, I've made some mistakes. And I've, I mean, I mean, I'm basically a good person, but yeah, I'll admit I've had some days where I've not been so good. And so what I need is kind of some touch-up paint. And it's like, no, dude, you need to be crucified and resurrected that's paul's there's another metaphor for salvation i've been crucified with christ like like i need to be destroyed and rebuilt that's what i need that's how bad the rot has set in in my heart so someone grasping i i'm i'm not a good person does bad things, and a bad person does bad things. The, the, the disease has gone all the way to the innermost core of my being. My heart is a fountain from which flows filth. You know, um, The, the heart's deceitful and wicked, and desperately wicked. Who can know it, right? That type of realization, however you want to get there, you need to get there. Because if, if someone, I would do not, none of Jesus... Listeners in John 8, would have had a problem with saying, have you ever broken God's commands? It's, you're a slave to sin. That they're like, well, then you gotta die. That, that's the, the Rubicon they won't cross. They would not think for a moment. They would think, they do sins occasionally, but their adherence to the sacrificial system, their ancestry from Abraham, w- we're good. We don't have any outstanding sin debt. We're good. And Jesus is like, no, dude, you're slaves to sin and I've come to set you free. And then, they want to kill him. So, that... A deeper grasp of sin and sinfulness I think seems to be and again it's not that where the spirit's working they're going to misunderstand the problem is if Jesus had instead of pressing the point this is this is part of understanding Jesus everything he does is gracious and loving and good and right and he presses these people does the same thing in six to the people who say he's the prophet to the people who say let's make him king he speaks hard words to them and I think it's loving because they need to know they're not really on team Jesus. And they leave him because he knows it's superficial. They don't, they don't actually receive him for who he is. The same thing in John 8 where eventually you're of your father the devil. Like, man, Jesus, that's kind of harsh. To the Jews who had made some sort of commitment to him, some sort of entrustment to him, but not clearly willing to deal with their sin. And so we see in John, I mean, that's part of where I'm saying I think John is... Making a scratch or head, but giving us the answer, he said to the Jews who had believed in the of your Father the Devil. Well, they believed in him in some sense, that, but what's clear is we we haven't slaves to anybody. We're not slaves to sin. What are you talking about? We're sons of God. So, whatever their belief in him was, it wasn't. I'm a desperate sinner in need of a sacrifice and a savior. Okay. Then you go back to the end of John. I wrote that you might believe Jesus the Messiah, that sacrifice, and the Son of God. Again and again, I think those are the two main threads in John's gospel people trip up on. We know your parents. It's in John 6, why are you putting on heirs and graces? Oh, I've come down from heaven. We know your mother and father. Come on. I mean, you're a miracle worker. Sure, you're there, even the prophet. We'll make you king. But you came down from heaven. Please. And they go away. I mean, so, like, I'm trying to learn from John, what is it about these people that would look good, they want to make him king, he's the prophet, but then they go home. Well, there's his his claim to, to deity, there's his claim to greatness, that they'll take him only so far. And so that's part of what I'm doing in reading through John, is, okay, As you're showing me these people who get some of it right, but clearly don't get enough of it right, what are they missing? That's sort of the inductive study I'm doing, trying to read. Th- I mean, in another sense, if the gospel is that simple, why not just write a four-verse gospel of John? We get 21 chapters, you know? So, okay, I'm done a lot of talking right there. So, Anyone want to run with that, go further with that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to keep
2: it short here. <laughs> Well, I don't, so you don't need to either, so it's okay. So I recently read the results of a survey that Ligonier partnered with somebody. (laughs) I saw this too. Go. And so it's just amazing the things that people believe. Yep. Like one of them is they are born innocent.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Another one. What was the percentage of professing evangelicals? Like 82% is what I thought it was. 82% this is Legionnaires Now a survey is only as good as the survey, right? But Ligonier Ministries did a survey. 82% of self-identified evangelicals believed people are born sinless,
2: innocent. And it was talking about the effect of humanism. Yep. That's creating this. And that folks don't really believe you need to go to church. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they're perfectly fine on their own being an island. So it's, yep. just, it's just interesting the things that, that we are dealing with.
0: Well, because how does our culture more and more define love? Unconditional acceptance. And approval. and approval. So if God loves me, what must he do? Unconditionally accept and approve of me. Yeah, more and more today, I think, than ever, we need to clarify what these terms mean, because, I mean, it's even like God, just as you are. Well, he'll slay you just as you are and resurrect you just as you are. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? But understand, he's going to kill you, destroy you, and remake you. I mean, those are biblical, all things, this, this is where Paul is talking about all things that become new, because he kills you, because he, he, he sentenced you to death, and he put new life into you. Yeah, you know, so um those are other ways to talk about it. But yeah, more and more today, good grief, it's it's difficult when I y I can't think of few things you could do more pernicious and evil than to train someone that anyone who thinks ill of you, anyone who doesn't accept you just so we are actually hates you. If that's not like the anti gospel training, like what could inoculate you or make you reject or hate the gospel more than you need to understand anyone who doesn't accept you just as you are, just the way you are, and celebrate you for who you are hates you. <laughs> that's, that's an evil message, right? Um, even if there are forms of rejection and judgment that are evil and wicked, which certainly there are, but just categorically, just love is unconditional acceptance and affirmation. Really? Love is love. What? Love is love. love is love. There you go. That too. Um, that's a nice tautology, so yeah. So questions on that? Come on, we're we're, we're stirring the pot of all sorts of stuff. Come on, you got anything, Allison? You look th- like you're on the edge of a question. Yes, no?
1: Well, I don't have a question. So I was much. talking. To Al- hold
0: on a second. I was talking to Allison once. Oh, then I'm you. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. So sorry. Okay, no. Lee goes. Allison's in on deck. Allison. Allison's Al- on uh, deck. When
1: we were talking. About about the different ways of saying things and things that need to be included, I would totally put in a pitch for repentance in the sense that that's where the sin part comes in. And if people, like you say, if you don't deal with your sin, you're never going to get saved because that is the big thing that's right in the way of your relationship with God and that whole fact of turning around and going with God instead of going your own way
0: towards hell. No, I I think repentance is probably the, the clearest word in English that gets to the portion that most people kind of struggle with, which is, or to put it another way, do you want to simply not receive the penalty of loving sin? Like, do you want to keep loving and serving a sin, but not receive its paycheck? Or do you want to actually be freed from that and love and serve somebody else? That might be a way of describing the distinction of what we're talking about. Are you simply, I don't want to go to jail. I want to keep committing crimes, but I don't want to go to jail. Or like, no, no, no. Yeah. Exactly. And I'd say, but I'd say, if that's what you want, you're not saved. You don't know the Lord. Um, and, I, and, and that's partly what I think John's going to try to point out. Um, so that repentance is probably the most angular, but it's also the word that most commonly gets dropped out of American gospel presentations. Surprise, well, surprise. Like,
1: like you said about, do uh, you want to just get out of jail free card? Yeah. And that's when you say, Jesus does not offer that. That's not what the, right. what's on the table. Right, right. So you don't
0: get that yeah. choice. Okay, yeah. Allison, okay. what have you got? So it's not a question, but um, I just... Is just, it a haiku? <laughs> no. Oh, okay, No, Sorry. it's not a haiku. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just surprised
3: at, like, our culture's... Um, like convincing, like convincement of them that love is love and like love is enough? Because how many times have we seen like abusive relationships where people yeah. love each other? Yeah. But yeah. When, when is like that kind of love
0: enough? You know, God's love is like what we actually need, but everyone's just convinced that
3: we have it. We can give it to others, but.
0: There's a, there's a phrase, there's a phrase, an uh, author named Ivan Illich, Ivan Illich used that I really like, a myth-inducing ritual. But the more you do the ritual, the more you're convinced in it, even as it fails. So as, as, as American education produces worse results than it's ever produced, what's the cry? More education! It's like a rain dance. And so as we keep saying, love is all you need is love, like the Beatles and John Lennon said, and marriages are lasting shorter, and, well, what we need is really then just more love. Because love, we're still convinced love is the cure. And in some sense, that's partly true. It's not your love. Um, but it's God's love. Uh, but we just, the more, I mean, good grief, for a culture that just celebrates love as the be-all and end-all, do relationships, have they ever been less healthy, le- less long-lasting, less good? I don't, I mean, I know there's a perennial danger of thinking the past is better than the present, but Ecclesiastes warns of that, but it's, it's, it's that myth-inducing ritual, it's the rain dance, where if it doesn't rain, well, then we just need to do more rain dancing, clearly. You know, that, that seems to be my observation. Um, it probably speaks more. It, the sad thing is it probably speaks more to what people want than what they think they need. And the irony being, uh, David Powlison has a great article. You can look it up online. God's love better than unconditional. And what he's basically arguing is God's love turns you into a lovable person. <laughs> he, he, it, it's not just leaving you the way you are. Cause that'd be unloving. Be loving to leave you a uh, slave to sin and wretched, but god's love makes you lo- the jesus story of the bible and she was lovely because god loved her it, god's love actually turns you into a lovable object you will you and i will be conformed to the image of christ i forget how he Titles it, but he's trying to get at the fact God's love is way better than unconditional Unconditional love would just leave me A slave to sin, worshipping the praise And approval of man, chasing after The creation, God loves me Way more than that, and so he's determined To make me righteous, ultimately And that's way better news Than simply, just the way you are He leaves you, just so you can come in just as you are But he's going he's gonna to give you a makeover it, it, It's similar to when people Say, you know, it's, it's a free gift so is joining the Marines. Right? But does anybody think that when you sign up for the Marines, we love you just the way you are, they're going to give you a haircut, they're going to give you some new clothes, they're going to put you in a boot camp, they're going to conform you to a new image? Yeah, so does being part of God's family. You're going to start taking the family image on. You're going to start looking and smelling like your dad. Um, and for people that are interested in that, that's, that's the type of thing you've got to try to basically figure out. Um, that's, I mean, according to John 3, and I know we're jumping ahead, but this is the judgment. John three 19. Let's look at that briefly. Why do people reject Jesus? It is not, 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 not. Imagine I said that 30 more times. It is not because they lack credulity. It's not because they lack a compelling or uh, convincing argument. In other words, people are not neutral. Um, to use the philosophical term epistemology. They're not neutral in regards to truth. This is the judgment. I, I think this is John writing that. There's some, when we get to John 3, we'll deal with this. But there's some debate when Jesus, not some, there's a debate. When does Jesus stop talking in John 3? And when does John, the narrator, pick up? It's not clear. Because Greek doesn't have quotation marks. So, Jesus could be talking all the way through 21. I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, It's possible Jesus stops talking at 15, and John the narrator is coming in. I tend to think 19 is when John the narrator begins. This is the judgment. This is the conclusion. This is summing up what we've just seen. Here's Here's what to make of the Nicodemus encounter. Lights come into the world. People love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light does not come to the light. So John's framing the rejection of the light is due solely to the love of sin. The rejection of the light is not because we lacked credible arguments. The rejection of the light is not because they've got real honest objections. Not that people can't have, but at the end of the day... Push comes to shove. Why do people hate the light? Because I love my evil deeds. Duh. Which, again, means any presentation of the gospel that leaves someone thinking you can have Christ and you can love your evil deeds is a false hope. Because the whole reason people reject the light is because I love my evil deeds, thank you very much, and I want to keep them. Um... I mean, I remember a friend of mine, a um, close friend of mine, he was a singer in my band. He, he got really close, it appeared, to come into faith and basically said, I want to party for just a few more years. I want to party for a few more years and then I'll get right with God. But I appreciated his honesty. He understood. It's like, well, if I'm going to go do that, I can't do this. Like, he at least got the either or in nature. My deeds are evil and I'm going to... I'm going to revel in my evil deeds from the two or three years. Then when it comes to the light, well, he's, his heart hardened and I I don't think he could ever, I mean, he's, he's so much harder now than then, but, but at least there's an honesty of understanding, right? I mean, I appreciate and respect that much. Um, So, okay. You got more? You good? No? Okay. Other questions? Other thoughts? the reason people reject Jesus is ethical. So another conclusion you could draw is you're never going to come to the light while you still worship and love your evil deeds, which is another reason why repentance logically is necessary. Um, Or to frame it another way, um, I've had this conversation with my kids that they're welcome to live in my house until they're married, provided they meet two conditions. One, they're doing something useful with their time. Um, They're not wastrels. And they're willing to to endeavor to honor their mother and father. They meet those two conditions, and I'm able. They're not married. They're welcome to live in my house. But the reason why that second one is necessary is imagine um, there's an outright refusal. Not a struggle, but an outright refusal. You know, you get one of these kids who's, I don't know why I should have to listen to you. I don't want to listen to you. I want to speak to you however I want to speak to you. What they're in essence saying is, I don't want to be your son. I'll be your friend. I'll be your buddy. I'll be something else. But I don't want to be in the relationship with you, whereby I owe you honor and obedience. Well, if that's ultimately... Imagine a child prescient enough, self-aware enough, like they're in a Dostoevsky novel, to say, Father, I I don't want that relationship. What I don't want is the father and son relationship with you. What I want is the friend relationship only. You can be my advisor. I don't have the authority to accept that deal. I don't have the authority. So what I would say is, look, I'm I'm willing to be a father to you. I can't be anything else. Not while you're in my house, you know? Um, And so in a sense, you want to call God your father. Be prepared to be his child would be another way of coming at it, right? Like God would adopt you into his family. Do you want to be his child? Um, Well, I'd like to sleep in the child's bedroom. No, 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 no. Do you want to be his child? Because the kid... Does chores, and the kid comes to lunch when they're called, and the kid honors their father. The whole reason we got into this problem is you didn't want to honor your father. You, so even the notion of being reconciled with God presupposes what got us in trouble, which was my rejection of the right relationship with him. I don't want to be your creature and your creation. Thank you very much. I want to be like you. God says, you want to be reconciled? Presupposes you willing to be the creature now? And if the answer is, no, I still want to be God and do what I want, then all you're saying is, I just don't want to go to hell. You're not going to enjoy heaven. Um, you're not going to enjoy being with God if you still resent and resist the fundamental concept. I mean, of course, we're going to struggle with it. Like, in principle, do you want to be his creature? Do you want to be his son and daughter? Or daughter. No, you can't be both. Do you want to be his son or daughter? And, and even with that choice, you got one option. Um, and, and if you just pressed any of those Imageries out, I think it's obvious The relational assumptions implied um, I, I think you could work it With any of them, but it's, it's important to press out What I'm pressing against this morning I'd call decisionalism Just make this decision Make a decision for Christ Well, if that decision leads to action, I'd call that faith But if that decision leads to nothing I'd call that James, dead faith um, you know, so, so what I tell my, my kids when they make their professions of faith is that's awesome. I want to encourage that. I want to, I, want to, I want to fan that flame. And here's the thing. These are the things to look for. These are the things that Christians, where it's 1 John, the one who's been born of God confesses his sin. The one who's been born of God loves the brethren. The one who's been born of God loves Jesus. And so those are the confirming signs you're going to see over the next days, weeks, months to indicate that you have been born of God. Conversely, if you don't bear those signs, and in fact you start bearing the thorns of the flesh, and, and you, want to, you don't want to jump to like a one-second judgment, but six months, three months, four months, you can sort of see what's the tenor of this. If you're looking at a thorn branch, you know you're dealing with a thorn branch, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's partly what I'm trying to get at, is, is because receive can have the passive reception, and I've heard plenty of gospel presentations, it's just a free gift will you take it, will you receive it, will you accept it sure I, I, I would submit to you that every demon would accept the gift of not going to hell if that's all that was required, just tell me you accept it and you don't have to go to hell what they don't want is to be reconciled with God, they don't want to be as obedient servants, they want to do what they want to do so okay Five minutes. Any other questions, thoughts, plants, haikus?
3: <laughs> okay. Oh, send me in. Um, I can't remember the verse reference, but... But the author of Hebrews, it is written yeah. somewhere. So it is written somewhere. I think it's the New Testament. Okay. That Jesus humbled himself. And so we're also called to humble ourselves. And so there's a certain level of submission that we have to do to get to a point before we can actually have faith and believe. And so when people are hard hearted where they don't want to submit to God's word and they don't want to accept truth that the word has, they won't get there. I have a person I talk to at work all the time and he won't, Submit to it as a even a source of truth. Right. He won't even accept it as a truth, not the truth even. And right. so he won't ever believe. And he's confused yeah. why he doesn't understand and he's confused why he can't get there. Mm. It's like, well, you're holding yourself back. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the 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 insistence that we have on being validated. Tell me, I mean, because this, I mean, this is the amazing offer. If you'll just recognize there's nothing good in you, God will put good things in you. And if I want to put it as simply as I can. If you can just recognize you have no worth intrinsically, God will make you worthy and worthwhile. He will make you beautiful. He will, in, you'll be in an air of grace. You'll inherit the universe. And the only condition is to recognize your poverty This is why Jesus said Blessed are the poor in spirit There's the kingdom of God No one is too small Too broken Too weak for salvation Plenty of people are far too strong Rich and powerful To be saved It's, it's Naaman Give me a mighty task To accomplish Go bathe in the Jordan <laughs> I, I love it I expect You gotta go back and read Jordan It's comical I thought you'd come out And wave your hands over the place and so he sends out a certain he doesn 't even come out to me he sends his servant, my master said, "Go bathe seven times in the Jordan, and Naaman is just forget this until finally his servant's like, "Lord, if he gave you some deeds, you would have done that. He wanted to earn it, he wanted somehow to say he deserved it now go go humble yourself and act like a fool getting bathed seven times, and you can be healed yeah, I mean that that intrinsically is always the problem for us. There's this free offer, just recognize you're poor, admit it, and cry out for help. I mean, that, that's The bad news of the gospel is, you're desperate. You have no hope apart from this. You're completely sunk. And you deserve to be completely sunk. So only when you give up all other hopes of escape, only when you recognize the guilty sentence, the just sentence, then all this free grace and help. Can you Can you admit that? That's the Jews Jesus day didn't want to admit that we're never been slaves it's just the irony we've never been slaves to anyone (laughs) (laughs) dude you're under Roman occupation now you know like come on but um, remember Egypt Babylon Assyria Medo-Persians the Philistines okay but yeah anyway Um, thank you that's we're at time anything else anything else the beep happens, so I can let you go. But. Okay. God bless. Godspeed. Good day.